Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. I want to start this message off with a scripture that Pastor Nelson spoke towards the end of his message last week. It's the first half of Ephesians 3.20, and it says this, God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. As you can see by the title of this morning's message, if you look at your little pamphlet, your outline, this verse is certainly applicable to, for all of us because we've all made decisions, right, in life? Some of them pretty poor. And all these decisions have led, to, led us to where we are this very moment today. Some of these poor decisions have led to circumstances that have hurt us or others or gotten us really stuck in some areas where no matter what we try, we just can't seem to make headway. Last week, we learned that it is possible to begin to take back the ground that we may have lost in life as long as we begin building on the right things. As long as we build on hope and not hurt. As long as we trust God and remember that nothing is impossible for him when we trust. And of course, this is called faith. We learned that a life worth living always begins with a dream. And that as we journey, there will be many dreams that come our way. But the only ones that truly matter are the ones that God has put in us. Any dreams apart from the ones God has for you are temporal, temporary, and lead to emptiness. God's dreams have eternal implications. They don't end here on earth when we do. They go on eternally, and God promises those who are faithful with little, little will be given. But to those who have been faithful with much, much will be given. You may not have all the details or a roadmap as to how these dreams are going to be fulfilled, but it will be really easy to identify them by asking yourself these three questions. Number one, where do I need growth? Where do I need growth in, in my life? Number two, where do I need to make a change? And number three, how does God fit into the, the first two questions? Where do I need growth? Where do I need to make a change? And how does God fit in? Here are some examples. Are there some relationships in my life that I could be more godly in? Are there any toxic relationships that I might need to place boundaries around or cut off? Is there a relationship in my life that needs cleansing or restoration? Is there something that's got a hold of me that I need to break free from? Where can I be more obedient to God? What disciplines in my life are out of whack? How can I get myself out of financial debt? Where do I need to seek God's will for my life? Or am I treating others as God would have me treat them? Now the list can go on and on and on, but you get the point. Wherever you need growth or change, that's the potential beginning point for restoring a dream. Now, obviously, you can identify any of these areas in life where you need to change. And if you were able to, 
you would have made the change already, correct? Like if there's an area that I want to change, if I could have, I would have changed it, right? But we learn because of our broken state, we can't do it on our own. We can think about it. We can talk about it. Heck, we can even attempt it. But it won't work. We don't have the right stuff inside of us. We must allow God to change us before we can make those changes. As impossible as this may seem to us, again, God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Impossible is a word tied to our humanness. It has no meaning to God. So if you've got some dreams that seem dead, you buried them a long time ago, guess what? Not impossible for God. If God can resurrect a person from the dead, he can surely resurrect their dreams from the dead. Now this morning we're going to look at something that can really be a hindrance to taking back the ground we may have lost and reclaiming those dreams. And that something is your past. We all have a past, correct? We've all made decisions in our past, correct? Many good, as I said earlier, also many bad. (laughs) I've grown tired of hearing this phrase lately. We're all in the same... How many times have we heard, heard that over the last three years? It truly does actually apply here, though. We've all blown it in our past in so many different ways. We're all in the same boat. James chapter 3, verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There's not a single person in all the earth who's always good and never sins. And Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all of us have sinned, everyone falls short of God's glorious ideal. In other words, we all fall short of God's original dream for our life. And we're going to leave it there. (laughs) We all fall short. You fall short, I fall short. I've never met anyone who's admitted to being perfect. No matter how big their lift kit on their truck might be, or what kind of ornament they might hang off their trailer hitch, That's a little Grand Prairie humor there for you. We all fall short. So what does that mean for us? Does that mean God's dream for us is on hold? Does it mean he has to change his dream for us? Does he go, okay, I see you've messed up my plan A, so now we're going to go to plan B for your life? No. God doesn't have a plan B for your life. He doesn't have a plan B for my life, no matter what poor decisions we've made in our past. See, God knows your past, your present, and he also knows your future. He knows you've messed up, and guess what? He knows you're going to mess up again. So what I want to help you with today is to learn how you can move forward in taking back those dreams you may feel like you've lost because of your past. We all have a past that can paralyze us if we allow it to. I can recall things right here and now where I've hurt other people or where they've hurt me. 
I can recall cringe moments where I think, I wish I hadn't said or done that. Take a moment. Think of a cringe moment. I guarantee right now you can recall something in your life where you're like, ooh. I can recall moments where I belligerently sinned, not caring in the moment about the consequences. I'm not bragging, I'm just... (laughs) Please don't take that as bragging. That's just the reality of it. I had coffee with a friend the other day and I told him the title of this morning's message, which again is Living God's Dream Despite Past Poor poor Choices or Decisions. And he said, oh, so it should be a short one. (laughs) I said, oh no, it's going to be the longest one you've ever heard because I'm going to be sharing a list of all the poor choices I've made in my life. So I hope you guys brought your lunch and dinner and a midnight snack. But here's the deal. Our past mistakes do not have to control our today. And we're going to look at a quick process that God in his mercy and abundant grace has given us the ability and authority to use to walk every single day free from our past mistakes so that we can tackle those dreams and nothing can hold us back. We can have the life God intended for us originally, like today. I want to show you guys a video. It's, it's from 1976, I believe, so it's kind of rough quality, but uh, Marcel sent this to me this morning, and I just I had, to, had to share it with you. So can you guys fire that? And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian drive. What's behind me is not important. What's behind me is not important. That's Marcel's sense of humor, by the way. But isn't that great news? Before we jump into the process, I want to take a look at four common causes that actually lead us to make poor decisions in the first place. Now, this isn't all the causes, but it's kind of four main ones. So as with any person of stature in the Bible, Peter who's one of the greats, also had some pretty big flaws. Peter, if you remember toward the end of Jesus' journey to the cross, he denied the Lord three times. They were eating the Passover meal together. Jesus told his 12 disciples, sorry, Jesus and his 12 disciples, and and then he let them know, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me tonight. Now, at first, the disciples, whether they knew it or not, asked a very wise question. They asked the question, surely you don't mean me. Or, in other words, could it be me? Is it me, Lord? You see, they were in touch in that moment with their human deficiencies. I've heard of prominent people in this world who are very respected, viewed in the highest of moral regards, who then commit some act that you almost can't believe is true. When asked about their devastating fall from public grace, the reply goes something like this, I honestly never thought that I was capable of doing something like that. Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. Peter's reply, in Mark 14, 29, he said, everyone else may stumble in their faith, but I won't. That was when Jesus had the conversation with Peter 
telling him, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will have denied even knowing me three times. Ouch. I might make some mistakes, but I'd never do that. Famous last words. So the first common cause of making poor decisions is pride. There's a reason that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, uh, Paul says this, he says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. The second common cause for making poor decisions in life is fatigue. Has anyone here ever made a rash or important decision when they were just too tired to think things through properly and regretted it later on? I see a few heads nodding. I mean, you're just beat. Maybe you work some insane hours, you've been driving yourself to the max for some time, or you didn't sleep the night before, or you had a newborn or something like that. Have you ever been fatigued and said something to someone you weren't super proud of the next day? Have you ever posted something online maybe you wouldn't normally have? (laughs) Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying through the torture and the crucifixion that he was going to endure the next day. And he asked his three closest disciples to simply come and be with him. Just just to be there. Not to pray with him or anything, but just to be with him. They fell asleep. As the Lord, who is going to do the work to save their very souls for for all eternity, simply just wanted them to be with him. They fell asleep. He even questioned them in Mark 14, 37. Could you not stay awake with me for just one hour? Fatigue. Another common cause of poor decision-making is fear of disapproval. After Jesus was arrested and the mob was leading him away, all the disciples, including Peter, had scattered. And then in Mark chapter 14, verse 54, it says, Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Are you following Jesus at a distance? Do you ever find yourself saying, okay, Lord, I'll give you this and this and this part of my life, but this over here... I'm going to stay in control of. I can't give this one up. This one's got to stay with me. I'm not ready to trust you just yet. Or how about withholding doing what you know God wants you to because you think your friends or family will disapprove of it? Maybe you've experienced critiques similar to this. Ever since you've gone religious, you've been doing some really weird things. Or, are you crazy? You need to look after yourself. Fear of disapproval. And the last common cause that we'll mention today for poor decision-making is short-term pleasure. Because it's just so easy. Rather than fully commit to Jesus like he said he would, Peter found himself sitting in the courtyard of the high priest with the guards warming himself by the fire. Meanwhile, his Lord was inside being slandered, accused, slapped, pushed, punched, and spit on inside the high priest's home. How often do we turn to the easy way out when things get tough? It's just, like I said 
a moment ago. It's just so much easier to go for the short-term pleasure rather than forego it. And to go through the hard work and pain first and then receive pleasure on the other end. Has anyone here ever impulse bought something on a credit card before rather than working to save up for it? You don't have to raise your hand. Which way feels better in the long run? The impulse buy or the delayed gratification? And which one is better in the long run? Has anyone turned on a TV or turned to a hobby in order to avoid working through an issue with your spouse? That's what I would call short-term gain for long-term pain. But like Peter, we all make poor decisions. But then there's this. Listen to what Jesus said to him in Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. He says, Simon Peter, Satan has asked to test you. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So when you have repented and recovered, I want you to go and strengthen the other disciples. Now, I want you to know this. He says, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Peter denied the Lord three times. And yet, Jesus is saying, I'm praying that your faith will not fail. That means his faith didn't fail. He denied him three times. But his, he still had his faith. His faith was still there, which means there was still opportunity. There was still hope for Peter. So I'm going to read this verse again. And this time, I asked it. Just in your mind, you insert your name here instead of Simon Peter's. You. Satan has asked to test you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So when you have repented and recovered, I want you to strengthen the other disciples. This applies to you, this applies to me. God wants you to use, God wants to use your poor choices to help others, and he can. Now notice those two words in that verse, repent and recover. Those are the keys to taking back God's plan A dream for your life. So how do we repent and how do we recover when we've blown it? Well, this is where we get to the good stuff here. We're going to look at five steps we can take. Number one, first step is honestly accept responsibility for my poor choices. This one goes against our very nature and has, as a matter of fact, since the first two people on this planet. Remember in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve committed the first sin of mankind? Who did Adam blame? The woman, his wife, right? He blamed Eve. Who did Eve blame? The serpent, right? They tried to pass it off themselves and on to someone else, which is what we still tend to bend towards today. We either blame someone else or we excuse. Oh, well, I just did it because. But the truth is, you'll never get to repentance and restoration unless you honestly own your part of your bad decisions. Sure, you may have been hurt by someone or hurt by some circumstance, I'm not saying you have to own that part. But are you perpetuating that hurt? Are you using that hurt to hurt others? Or are you blaming those past hurts for the reason you're stuck and stagnant in life? It's robbing you. Take an honest look. Own what you need to. 
God, I treated this person with disrespect. Maybe they deserved it. Doesn't matter. God, I did this. It was wrong. God, I gave into temptation here with lust. God, I lied to my friends again because I feel like I'm never enough. Whatever it is, just call it what it is. Own it. Then the second step, number two, humbly ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. The best examples, one of the best examples we have for doing this is when King David poured his heart out to God in Psalm 51. We're going to read verse one through three, as well as verse six and 10. Now, David, David did, uh, performed this prayer after he had slept with another man's wife, gotten her pregnant, and then had the husband killed so that no one would find out. Okay, so keep that in mind as we go here. He says this, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. In your great compassion, please wipe out the stain of all my wrongdoing. Wash away all my guilt and cleanse me from my sins. For I am haunted by my failures and I can't forget the evil things I've done. It's the past, right? I know you love complete honesty from my heart, so help me to see what's deep inside me. Then create a new pure heart in me and renew my spirit with the right desires and restore the joy of your salvation. Then I'll help bring others back to you too. Notice at the end, David vows to bring others back to God once he is restored. Remember when Jesus told Peter to strengthen the other disciples once he had repented and been restored? We have a part to play. Interesting. So you can actually go ahead and pray exactly what David did did if you're looking to humbly ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. You can borrow it word for word if you want. Obviously, you just mean it from your own heart and from your own particular context. And watch what God does. The natural next step here is I gratefully accept God's amazing grace. If you want a little litmus test to know if you're truly being humble, then you're grateful. If you're grateful, then you're being humble. If you're not grateful, you're not being humble. It's that simple. If you're not grateful for what God has done in your life, you need to have a look. You need to revisit that humility. Now here, let me show you a few reasons why you and I can be grateful today. Ephesians 1.7 says, Christ sacrificed his life's blood on the cross to set us free, which means that all our sins are now forgiven. God did this because of his generous grace to us. Romans 8 verse 1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot earn it. We don't deserve it. We deserve the exact opposite, actually, and worse. And yet, here it is, a free gift for you and I to live 100% free from sin with zero condemnation simply because God is good and he wanted to offer it to us. That is amazing grace. You say, but Brent, you have no idea what I've done. There's no way God could love me. There's no way he'd take me back. Oh yeah? Have you committed worse crimes than David? Adultery, deceit, murder? 
Well, maybe you have. But it still doesn't disqualify you from his grace and it doesn't invalidate God's dream for you. And here's why. Three quick points on this. Jesus already paid for my sins. He already paid for your sins. But again, Brent, you don't know the half of what I've done. No, I don't. But he does. There are no surprises here for God. The Bible says in Psalm 193, he knew you before you were even born, that all your days were numbered and written in his book. He knew every good decision. He knew every poor decision. He knew every evil decision, every single sin. He knew all of this before you were around. And yet because of his love and compassion, mercy and grace, here you are. Still breathing, listening to a man talk about the grace of God who is no more deserving of it than you are. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 puts it this way. When Jesus served us, a, sorry, when Jesus served a sac, as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for God. Not only yours, but the whole world's. Last time I checked, you belong as a part of the whole world. Still not convinced? How about this? Number two, God's goodness isn't based on my performance. That should do it. His gift of grace and eternal life and dream restoration has nothing to do with what you do. Let's look at it this way. In Titus 3, 5, Paul tells us, he saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. And here's the third reason why my sin doesn't invalidate God's dream for me. God's calling and gifts are given unconditionally. Now, how can I illustrate this? Young lad, can I borrow you for a second? Can you come here? Yeah. Now, you're not the one who normally wears the Las Vegas Golden Knights jersey, are you? No. No. Do you like hockey? Yeah, okay, all right. That's good enough for me. Here, here's 20 bucks. That's it. Do me a favor, though. Maybe spend that 20 on an Oilers jersey or something for your, for your pals. Or put it towards an Oilers jersey. They're not that cheap. I'm just kidding. There's no conditions attached. You spend it on whatever you want. Okay? Romans 11:29. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. They cannot be withdrawn. Why? Because he says so, that's why. And once God speaks, things play out exactly the way he wants them to. Your sins do not invalidate you from living out God's dream for you. Now back to the last two points to finish up our process of repentance and restoration. So just to recap, first, I honestly accept responsibility for my poor choices. I humbly ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. I gratefully accept God's amazing grace. And the fourth, if I want to take back God's dream for my life, I must generously forgive those who have hurt me. Why? Because God wants to forgive you for when you've hurt others or hurt him or even hurt yourself. He says, you can't expect to receive something from me if you're not willing to extend it to others. Here's the deal. You don't forgive someone when they've hurt you because they deserve it. You do it because God has forgiven you. 
by letting them off the hook, you're letting you off the hook. You're actually set free when you do this. You might think you're making the other person pay when you're holding on to a grudge against them, but you're actually only hurting yourself. And I promise you, you're being robbed of God's dream for you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 presents it this way. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. You must be willing to forgive others freely and God will freely in turn forgive you. So at this time, I'm going to invite the, the band to come up. They're going to prepare to do a song. And uh, we're going to look at the fifth and final step um, to that re- repentance and restoration to take back God's dream for your life. The last one is, I courageously face the future with faith. Is courage the antidote for fear? No. It cannot, courage cannot do away with fear, but faith can. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has done away with fear through his work on the cross. And anyone who places their faith in him is completely free to live out his dream and his plan, absolutely fear-free. There may be reasons all around you to give in to fear, but listen to how Job puts it in the book of Job in chapter 11, verse 13 through 18. This is incredible. It says, devote your whole heart to God and reach out to him in prayer for help. If you get rid of the sins in your heart and in your home... You will face the world again without shame and you'll be strong and free of fear. Then you'll forget your past troubles like water under a bridge. Your life will be brighter than noonday and even in darkness you'll shine like the morning. And now you'll have the courage because you will have hope. Wow. Isaiah 43 verse 18 and 19 goes like this. Forget the former thing and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it is springing up. Do you not perceive it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create streams where there has been wasteland. And we know that God causes everything to work together for, those, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All things, not some things. He works the good, the bad, and the ugly in our story. And if we allow him to lead our lives and our dreams, like the verse in Isaiah I just read before the song said, he will create streams where there has been wasteland. We will become the light to those around us that they so desperately need us to be. All because we're free to take back and flesh out God's big dreams for our lives, despite our past poor decisions. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you're here today, you've never received Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, then I want to tell you, you're missing out on a big dream. You're missing out on the big picture. As human beings, we're only capable of tiny dreams, um, temporary dreams, that when our life here ends, so do our dreams. They end with us. But with God, nothing ends. God has eternity for you, planned for you. 
and he has eternity planned for the dreams that he's put in you. So if you want to take a step in faith here this morning, that's all it is. It's a, it's a faith step. Maybe you've been on the fence for a while. Maybe God's been drawing you closer to him. But it's time to dream big. And you can borrow this prayer just in the quietness of your own heart. You can borrow these words from me. You can say something like this, Lord Jesus, today I'm receiving the big dream, the eternal dream, Lord. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm putting it all in as best as I know how. I'm making the choice to believe that you died for me on the cross in my place. And now, Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner and I trust that you can forgive me for these sins. So come into my heart, cleanse me, come into my life, show me how to live, show me how to dream, Lord. I wanna be a part of something bigger than myself. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Now let's pray for all of us in this room. Anyone watching online, you can pray along with me. Lord, we thank you that our passport choices don't define us. But you also don't want us to throw them away. You want to use them to benefit others. You want our hurts and weaknesses and utter failures to be used to strengthen those around us bring others to you because the truth is we sure don't relate to people's strengths in the way we relate to people's weaknesses and I believe this is what you mean in your word when you say in your weakness my strength is made perfect when we take our dreams back despite our poor decisions because you are with us we're able to have a massive impact for good and for your glory in this world So we thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you this morning. In your name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I want you to leave encouraged this morning. Take back God's plan A for your life. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780 539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.